Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest podcast. This new week brings plenty of news, more on the field than off. And joining us now to talk about it, Andy Free, the Florida Sportscaster of the Year, is named by the National Sportscaster and Sports Writers Association. Andy, we mentioned on the last podcast, but it's certainly great to have you on the show, and congratulations to you personally. Well, I know you, you've won one of those in, uh, in, in your prior days, so I'm glad to be in your company. And really, uh, to me, you know the way we operate. I mean, anything that comes our way is uh, a testament to the Rays and what Dave and I and you put together and, uh, and, and the effort and really the love we have for our jobs and this life that we're blessed to have. So it's nice of you to say, and, and I appreciate it, but I really kind of accept it on behalf of all of us. Oh, thanks, Andy. Uh, you know, you handle that with the class that you do on the air, and you mentioned that it's a win for the organization. It's been quite a week for the organization. Uh, let's start with what Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times uh, revealed in terms of on-field news uh, on Thursday, and that is the Lakeland launcher himself, Steve Pierce, uh, has signed a, a one-year deal uh, obviously pending physical, et cetera, to join the Rays in 2016. What do you think when you heard that news? Well, assuming it goes through, and it sounds like it's going to, I mean, that to me is a very good sign. You know, I was, I was looking him up a little bit. He is 33, so he's not a, a youngster anymore, and he has been on the scene for a while. But to me, he's one of those guys that I, I like when they kind of find it a little bit later. It's so funny to talk about guys when they're in their 20s <laughs> making that be later in their careers. But he was with the Pirates for a while. And then around the age of 29 and 30 and 31, he started to kind of find a gear that he hadn't found before. And a lot of that, to me, proves that he had the physical tools, but maybe wasn't there mentally, so he figured it out. And, and I, I really respect guys like that. I love the fact, too, that Buck Showalter liked him so much. That, that tells me uh, that even though he had a bit of a down year last year, and I know he had an oblique injury, a down year still got 15 home runs. Out of him, and that to me is a would be a huge boost to this lineup. You could probably put him anywhere in the lineup, uh, including protecting Longoria on certain days against certain pitchers. Uh, and one thing that I remember, and I know you remember this too, Neil. I remember that the Orioles uh, it had to have been last year. Uh, they were out of second baseman. All their guys were hurt, and so who who went to second base? Steve Pierce. Mm-hmm. He hadn't played second base for a long time. He had been playing some outfield and some first base and some DH. Uh, but the fact that he that I'll play second base, that tells me that he fits in with the Rays. So I, I like the signing an awful lot. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get back to the 20-plus home runs he had, but imagine if he did. But if we get those 15 home runs uh, like we did a year ago, and or like the Orioles did a year ago, and he can stay healthy, to me that's only a plus with his versatility. And look, even when he hit 20-plus, he was really doing it in part-time duty. So this is a guy with pop, and we've talked about the need for power in the lineup, and you mentioned that, and that's certainly important for this team. And look, he's always hit well in this ballpark. I think that's important to know, too, that, that he is comfortable here. He's from Lakeland. Yes, and you know, I haven't looked up the numbers, but I remember thinking uh, that in the postseason, he was pretty good also for the mm-hmm. Orioles, uh, especially in 14 and in 12, the two years that the Orioles made it. He was a big part of it. Um, so I, I like the fact that this is a guy that's not going to be wowed by any situation. He's a local guy coming back, and I just I can't see a downside to it. No, and the the next question, I guess, is you know, fans are going to ask, okay, what roster move did the Rays make? And that's probably why this may go well into next week. They've got some decisions to make. They're not going to be easy. They may decide to uh, carry guys you know, into spring training and make a lesser move in terms of the 40-man and then do what happened last year with David Jesus. We thought he was going to be gone, and then with injuries, he ended up on the opening day roster. 
Yep, and uh, it'll be curious to see about the 40-man situation because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that it seemed like there was plenty of room and now suddenly it's packed, which which is a good thing, um, which will allow for some more competition, I'm sure, in spring training, uh, which is getting closer and closer, which is very exciting. But um, I, I like the – to me, you can't have too much talent. I mean, mm-hmm. if the decisions come down – to two talented guys, that there's no downside of that. Then you got to make your choice and, and live with that. And sometimes when guys get sent back, even you end up having them later on in the year. So I, I, I see only positive from that. This team needs a little bit more offense. Appears to me can only at least partially answer the question. Well said. You know, we move uh, back a week. You know, we have not talked since uh, the Rays got the approval from the St. Petersburg City Council to take a look at potential stadium sites in Pinellas and Hillsborough counties only. So, based on that, what was your reaction when you heard the news uh, last week? Uh, relief, in a sense, because a year ago, I, I know how I and I would think you and a lot of us felt that is this is this ever going to really happen? Are, are we just kind of in this endless? Quagmire, but to me now, I think finally we're seeing some progress. And uh, to me, I look at it as kind of a veil being lifted. Okay, now we've got a starting point. Now there's something we can really push off of. Now they've got the ability to communicate with with the people that need to be communicated with, and let's get this ball rolling and and have it stop just kind of hanging over uh, the entire organization and our region. Um, you know, I, the things that you hear about the Rays nationally really uh, stick in my craw because I think they're not true. Uh, I, we all know that they're not true. The negative stuff you hear about the organization and the region, I, I hate that getting bashed. Those of us that are down here know that there's a downright love affair between this region and the team, uh, and vice versa. And I think the Rays feel that way about this region. If they didn't, Stu would not have ever come out and say how committed he is to this region. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I'm glad now that uh, there's a, a direction and something moving forward, and we can stop talking about if and hopefully start talking about when it happens. Exactly. I think the one thing, though, that I, I think it's important to get out from our standpoint is, look, this is going to be still, there are still many steps in the process to go. And, and, and you know, as, as patient as the fans have been, there's going to have to be some more patience as well, because it's going to take some time to sort through and figure out, okay, what is the stadium going to look like, and then determine where it's going to be, and then try and get through the financing. So it is going, there's going to be some length on the other end, but at least we know there's going to be somewhat of a finite conclusion with a three-year process by which the St. Petersburg City Council has to kind of know, okay, what's next? Yeah, and, and you know, look, not, none of us except for a select few people are really behind the scenes, whether it be in government or with the Rays or with the region, uh, to know the specifics. I just know that when we go around the league uh, and we see various communities uh, that are similar to Tampa St. Pete, that have really worked together and make it a regional team. I look at things uh, and areas like Minneapolis-St. Paul and see how well that's, that's worked, and Seattle-Tacoma, how well that's worked. You can go to, to most areas uh, and see cities working together, and that, that's what I get excited about, hoping that our region can really be in uh, the present and look towards the future and realize this is a regional commodity. This is something to make all of us proud, not just those on one or the other side of of the bridge or any of these, you know, smaller spring training type towns, the Clearwaters and Lakeland and Sarasota and Bradenton and on and on and on. This is a regional franchise that, that I think is only heading for, uh, forward because, as you and I know, that generation uh, that, that when the franchise started we were waiting to have happen is now reaching their late teens to early 20s. They've been raised fans their whole life. Their parents may not have been, 
but they are, and I, I, to me, that only bodes well for this future. Indeed, and when they have kids, obviously, it'll continue to mushroom right. and, and grow. You know, one of the other things that I think is really important is some level of continuity, and obviously with Matt Silverman, the Rays have had some continuity after Andrew left, but to be able to extend Logan Forsythe in the arbitration process, I thought was fairly important for this organization, especially as much as he meant to this team last year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and there, there are some guys that when you're around, you wonder about multi-year deals. Logan's not one of those guys at all. I think uh, as hard a worker as he is, uh, uh, the way he kind of willed himself through last season and was playing injured uh, various amounts of times and was able to, I mean, he became a middle-of-the-order hitter. I mean, who saw that coming when, when we got him, especially after 2014 when he didn't appear to be that sort of guy. And look, maybe in a more stacked lineup, he might be uh, more of a sixth hitter or somewhere in that part of a lineup. Uh, but this is a guy that, that I feel very good giving a multi-year deal to. Even the way he humbly reacted to it, mm-hmm. to me, just says, for those of us that are around him, says everything about him. I think he's a, a terrific guy to latch those two years on to. He's going to be an everyday player for this team. He showed that he can do it. Um, and, I, and I think he's really ready now, and I would like him to be a team leader. Now, to... You know, to be around him, he's not a, a, a loud sort of guy, uh, but I think he's the sort of guy that uh, maybe almost, almost in kind of a Ben Zobra sort of way, uh, by example, by his gritty nature, can, can be a team leader on this team. You know, Joe Madden used to refer to, who are the lead bulls on your team? Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, Logan Forsythe is a lead bull on this team now after really having an MVP-type season for the Rays a year ago and should have gotten more consideration uh, nationally for Gold Glove at second. No doubt. And, and, you know, I think there's a strong likelihood in these next two years he may get a Gold Glove uh, over at second base if he keeps playing the way he did uh, from a season ago and gets more recognition. You know, the Rays added three more guys to camp. And, look, usually these are kind of footnotes. Um, uh, the Rays are up to 60 players invited. I kind of look at sort of that they're at 56 because we know Alex Cobb and Chase Whitley are not going to pitch in camp. We know that probably Johnny Ventures and Neil Wagner coming off Tommy John are, are going to be a little more limited, or at least you know they're going to be very careful with those guys. So adding a few pitchers this time of year, probably not that surprising uh, whether they're able to help out at the big league level. You know, you want to keep guys healthy through spring training, as we saw the last two years. That's even more important right now than, uh, than anything. Absolutely. But I, I think the depth of pitching right now is what I'm really liking about what the Rays have. We saw progress from guys like Andrew Bellotti and Andy Romero and, and Alex Colomay last year. Uh, then they add Danny Farquhar. Uh, can Steve Geltz do it, what he did last year? I think he ran out of gas a little bit towards the end. How about Erasmo? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if, if this team has a five-man rotation, I wonder if he's more valuable as a guy that could be a, a, a two-inning to three-inning swing guy. Uh, I, I think that could be a role for him because you look at Moore and Smiley and Odorizzi and, uh, and, of course, Chris Archer, and, and eventually Cobb, hopefully, uh, that, that could be a really interesting spot for, for Erasmo. You could start him sometimes or leave him other times, but really be a guy that at least showed us that he's able to swing back and forth. And then, of course, there's Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my guess, uh, who knows, it's, I mean, my goodness, it's January, I'm guessing already, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he starts the year with the Durham Bulls for a little while. I think that's a pattern we've seen over the course of time with David Price or with Matt Moore, guys that really get you excited. But you know what? Let's make sure they can start off and get on a, a good good footing for the season and then bring them up. That, that would 
be my guess, uh, but we're obviously going to see him. He's going to be a huge part of this team. But I like the depth of pitching, and I like even though we're seeing a lot of big names, uh, bolster bullpens uh, around the American League East, and there are some outstanding bullpens right now. Uh, nationally, people may not be that familiar with some of the Rays' names that, that we were just talking about, but I think the Rays' late bullpen could be really good. I think so, too. Um, you know, what I'm interested, though, is what some of the other teams around Major League Baseball have done. You know, you say it's January it's kind of late to see deals of the consequence or the size of a Justin Upton, of a Chris Davis, of an Ian Kennedy. This is really unique to Major League Baseball to see three deals that combined are close to $300 million at this point in January. I know. It's, it's pretty amazing. That, uh, and then, you know, who's left? You know, you got Seth, but you still have other guys that, mm-hmm. are, that are out there. They're going to be impact players. No doubt. You know, on, on the Chris Davis thing, because they signed him for, you know, they put a lot of money into him. They obviously spent a fair amount of money on Darren O'Day to keep him. Mark Trumbo is going to get, what, over $9 million this year. Now, I wonder about, of all the teams in this division, I wonder about their rotation the most because they lost Wei in Chen. You still don't know about Kevin Gaussman. I mean, even if they're all healthy, um, there's not a set because they traded Bud Norris too. There's not a set even fifth guy in the rotation. You can say he's going to be the number five starter. Yeah, they have they have some younger guys too that have had a hard time staying healthy. Gosman, you mentioned it to me, he's he's the guy. I mean, when you look at his stuff, he's a guy that could really be an archer like ace for them. He he's got outstanding stuff, a uh, big fastball, uh, outstanding breaking ball, really four good pitches, and he's a guy that we've seen him very good, and then we've seen times when the Rays hit him around. He's one of those guys that I fear it's going to click at some point. Uh, you know, I I don't know him, but uh, I. My my guess is looking at him that he's going to be a top of the line pitcher. You know, there there a couple of years ago, you know, Dylan Bundy was still talked about as the Orioles' big big uh, guy. You know, pitching wise. Then he got hurt, and then behind the scenes, we started to hear more and more whispers about that Gosman's better anyway. And and lo and behold, I think he's a huge huge member. And you know, there were times last year too that uh, I can remember Buck Showalter leaving Gosman in at various times that I thought that they might take him out. I think the Rays got him out after four innings, one game in Baltimore that I remember, because I think they're really trying to develop him in the major leagues, which is hard to do. But when it clicks, he could be an ace. You just look at their rotation, though, right now. Okay, him, uh, Ubaldo Jimenez, Miguel Gonzalez. His, you know, they've been solid, but you know, after that, I mean, it's it's kind of iffy, and that's that's the one team right now that I, I wonder if they have the pitching depth. Uh, in I'm this with division. you too, and especially I figured somehow, some way, they were going to keep Wayne Chen. I was surprised that. Uh, of what happened there, because if there's any one guy in that rotation over the last three years that was the rock for them, uh, maybe even more than Till- well, I shouldn't say more Tillman. than you know Tillman's been a pretty good rock also, but from the left side, Chen was really a rock in that rotation, and uh, you know, and when they first got into postseason in twelve, he was like the one guy that was really dealing towards the end there, and uh, I don't know. To me, that Chen's a huge loss for the Orioles. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to follow going forward, see if they add, because there's still time and there's still arms out there. Yep. Uh, Andy, we're out of time, but we're going to see you soon, I'm sure, and uh, we appreciate a few minutes on the latest podcast. Can't get here fast enough. Thanks, bud. That's Andy Freed. Now, on our last podcast, we introduced you to four players who were in the Rays' winter development camp. Let's hear from four more. Garrett Whitley, of course, was the Rays' first-round pick this past year, and I asked him what his first stint in pro ball was like. I mean, it was fun. It was really fun. Playing baseball every day, and (laughs) I can't think of anything better. Um, Physically, it's it's a lot of ball, but um, I feel like I held up 
well. You know, I felt there were days where it didn't feel as good as I was used to, but um, I felt like I recovered quickly and was, you know, it was good. What was the competition level like? Because I would guess it was different from your high school in upstate New York. Yes, it's a lot different. <laughs> it's a lot better. Um, the pitching I was facing every day is, uh, you, know, you can't even compare it to what I was facing in New York. And that's not a knock on New York. It's just this is pro ball now. I'm facing 92 every day. I faced 92 one time in the spring. So getting used to that was an adjustment for sure. Um, and then... You know, but it was great to play with better players. Um, it's a lot of fun to play. I've always thought that when you play against and with better players, it's, the game is more fun. How about the mental aspect of the game? What, what was that like? Was it different? I didn't treat it any different. Um, I mean, it's not like in my head I was thinking that now I'm in pro ball, I have to do everything different. There's, there's something that got me here. Um, and you know, I kept what routines I could keep, and I tried to make new routines based on you know my new schedule and that kind of thing um but i mean yeah mentally it was it was fine based on what you learned in the first glimpse of professional baseball how does that help you get ready for this coming season were there things that you did let's say in terms of training that your body went through that you said hey i need to prepare differently or i want to get do things to get bigger stronger faster um well yeah now i know what to expect um, I know how long the season is somewhat. Obviously, I got down there in July, so, but I know what playing every day in the heat is like. Um, so I know the things that I need to do to prepare my body to do that every day. Um, and then, yeah, talking to some of the guys about what they do to get through a whole season from February to September um, has helped me a lot too because and I'm trying to do some of those things. That's 2015 first-round raised draft pick Garrett Whitley. Now third-round selection Brandon Lau was there too. Lau drafted out of the University of Maryland, didn't play last year. He had a broken leg that was suffered in the NCAA regionals. And Lau comes from the Norfolk, Virginia area that has produced such major leaguers as the Uptons, Ryan Zimmerman, and also Michael Kadire. So I asked Brandon what inspired him to play the game. I've always been a baseball person. You know, my dad was a coach ever since I can remember. And I remember being really young and him taking me to practices and I would take BP with his high school team and then you know, run around and play baseball there. So it's always been part of my life and something I've loved. Your dad was a college player too. Yes. What kind of influence has he been on you? He, he was actually a college pitcher. So he really helped me you know, become the hitter that I am because he always taught me things that he didn't like facing in a hitter so that really helped you know me growing up and my whole development as a hitter so what kind of hitter would you say you are um gap to gap you know i'm gonna i'll flash a little pop here and there but it's not i'm not going to be known as the home run hitter and in terms of the decision to start professional baseball was it hard at all for you you mentioned it was a dream but you also were a draft eligible or a redshirt sophomore so you could have come back for one if not two years of college um it was a tough decision at the time you know broken leg and all this other kind of stuff there's a bunch of other things thrown into the decision and you know we kind of decided that if all the like everything that we wanted was met you know it would be a great time as any to go so what's your health like now now that you've come back from this broken leg. I'm 100% just ready to play some baseball again. 
was it hard? The rehab process? Because um, you went through your freshman year at Maryland, you had an ACL injury, so you have gone through an injury before. Yeah, compared to the ACL, this was a walk in the park. So uh, having experience in the rehab kind of thing, that the broken leg was nothing tough. I mean, it's still something you had to work work hard at, but it wasn't too bad. That's Brandon Lau, and it's certainly good to hear he's healthy as he starts his first full professional season. Now, the Rays' second-round pick from last season, Chris Betts, also is coming back from surgery. Betts, a catcher, is trying to come back from Tommy John, and it's a moment that was very difficult for Chris. It was really tough. We were in uh, Dr. Eaton's office, me and Joe Benj, and um, Dr. Eaton just walked in and said, hey, you know what, you need Tommy John. And that kind of came to a shock to both Joe and I. We knew I had what we thought was a forearm issue. Um, turned out I needed Tommy John, and then had to go sit in the lobby of the hotel that we're actually staying at tonight and tell my parents and my agent that I needed Tommy John and I flew home that night and kind of got resituated and regrouped and luckily I had a good team around me to help me figure it out and the Rays on the other end and it just it worked worked out really well. Everyone talks about how good the Rays are in terms of their training staff. What has it been like for you? I mean, this is your first experience really with any significant injury. Yeah, it, it's been incredible. Joe and Joel Smith at the facility, are they're, they're unbelievable. They're the best, and um, they're just really good people. They, they get to know you, and it's not just getting you healthy and rehabbing you. They really care, and, you know, it's always a good time in the training room too. It's kind of like the most fun place to be besides the field. That's Chris Betts, Rays catcher and second-round pick from last year. Now, Brent Honeywell won a championship last season with the Charlotte Stone Crabs, one of the few repeat members of the winter development program for the Rays. I asked Honeywell what that championship was like. A little, I couldn't sit down in the dugout, but no, it was a lot of fun, especially with that group of guys we had. It was a lot of fun. What did you learn from your baseball experience in 2015, and maybe what did you take away from the effort it needed to try and win a championship? Uh, well, I run through two real bad outings and hadn't happened to me yet in pro in pro ball. And then, you know, I, I knew how to handle it. I just, you know, kind of rubbed it off. And then the next time I go out, I get smoked again. And then it's like, dude, what is going on? So I didn't really know what was going on. And then, you know, I talked to Doc Watson, talked to my dad, talked to my mom, I mean, everything. I just tried everything, and uh, they said, I'd, when it rains, it pours. So I just pitched through it, and I pitched through it, and did what I had to do to get out of that season like that, finish strong. How much do you think that will help you this year? Uh, I think, I mean, anytime you can pitch through adversity, it's good. Uh, when you have to pitch through it, I mean, what happens when you get, this is what Doc Watson told me, he said, well, you know what happens when you get to AAA and, you know, you don't have to pitch to adversity and then you get into the big leagues, don't have to pitch to adversity, and then, bang, you know, they put up a six spot on you in the first two innings. You know how to deal with it. And so just things that, you know, executing pitches, uh, you know, you don't have to trick anybody. So as long as you can execute pitches, you know, locate your fastball, pitch with your fastball, and that's another big thing that I've learned is, you know, pitch with a fastball. When you got a good fastball, you you got to use it. That's Brent Honeywell, and we'll see if he takes another step forward in 2016. Remember, soon we'll have several of our videos with these Rays minor leaguers in greater depth at RaysBaseball.com slash Prospect Spotlight. On our next podcast, we'll have more on the Steve Pierce signing once it becomes official. And that and more, again, coming up next week. Until then, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>